Hi, this is Pastor Bill Woods. I wanted to talk to you a little bit today about what sports fans can teach Christians. You know, the other night when uh, the Diamondbacks won the league championship series and it was decided that they obviously were going to go to the World Series, I couldn't help but see all the enthusiasm of the fans as they were jumping up and down and being excited about it. And I got to thinking, you know, it's too bad Christians don't have some of that kind of enthusiasm for what we do. Again, I want to talk about what sports fans can teach Christians. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race God has set before us. Sports is one of the largest pastimes in the world. Billions of dollars are spent on sports events and sports-related items. Events like the World Series, Super Bowl, the Olympics, these things attract worldwide interest. The other night, like I said, when it was obvious that Phoenix Diamondbacks, or called the Snakes, we're going to the World Series. There was a run on Dick's Sporting Goods uh, late at night. People were buying up team memorabilia. With some of the t-shirts with the logo of the Diamondbacks were selling for as much as $70 each. Everything was just pumped way out of, out of sight as far as prices were concerned. Sports can become the biggest idol in many people's lives. Check out the little league and soccer fields on a Sunday morning when people ought to be in church. They're out there with their kids uh, playing sports. Many Christians follow athletics and, and not, I'm not trying to condemn sports as bad. In fact, there are some things sports fans can teach Christians if we're willing to learn. What can sports fans possibly teach a Christian, you say? Well, do you know the origins of the word fan? Fan is a shortened form of fanatic. A fanatic is one who is unreasonably enthusiastic or overly zealous going beyond what is reasonable. A fan is one of those who is enthusiastic about a sport, pastime, or a performer. You can see by the definitions there's a fine line between a fanatic and a fan. The difference possibly only being in the eye of the beholder. The dedication and zeal of sports fans shows for his team or that he shows for his team or sport might be considered fanatical. What if that same enthusiasm was applied to Jesus Christ and the things of God? What do you suppose would happen? Many Christians stop short of full surrender to God because of what people might say. I mean, I've heard people say, well, they might be calling me a holy roller. Well, to that I say, if you're going to roll, you might as well roll holy. Let me give you five things sports fans can teach Christians. One, sports fans are faithful. They, they don't conform. They identify with their team. They wear hats, shirts, socks, even underwear with logos of their favorite teams. Funny thing is that they don't mind being different. They enjoy being the only one in the crowd with the logo of their team on it. 
and, and they're doing what they're doing is representing the team that they're sold out on. It's said that Michael Jordan wore his North Carolina Tar Heel gym shorts under his uniform while he was winning championships for the Chicago Bulls. He said, once a Tar Heel, always a Tar Heel. You know, some fans even want to be buried in a replica jersey of their favorite player. If sports fans are bold in representing their teams, why, why are Christians so shy about being a witness for Jesus Christ? Diamondback fans can leave Phoenix and wear their colors proudly wherever they go. But when a Christian gets in a crowd of lost people, they lose their voice for some reason. Acts chapter 1 verse 8, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. The witness represents Christ to the lost. He tells that what Christ has done for him. Atlanta Brave fans would do the tomahawk chop in a crowded mall to show their spirit, but many Christians have trouble passing out tracts in such an environment. Sports fans are faithful. They don't conform. They're not shy or ashamed. Romans chapter 1 verse 16 says, For I am not ashamed of this good news about Christ. It is the power of God at work, saving everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Gentile. Sports fans are spenders. They don't withhold. Another thing about a sports fan uh, that Christians could follow is how they spend their money to support their team. Every year during the Christmas and New Year's holidays, thousands of fans follow their college teams to bowl games. This game is their reward for a winning season. Fans order tickets to the game. They buy plane tickets. They make hotel reservations before they leave for their reward. A fan could spend thousands of dollars on his bowl trip. World Series tickets, NFL Super Bowl tickets, and college basketball Final Four weekend cost in the hundreds, maybe thousands of dollars. In fact, I heard that the cheap seats for the World Series are running around $700. That's up in the nosebleed section. No sacrifice is too great when there are teams involved in these spatial events. Compare this attitude to many Christians. Why is our pastor always asking for money, somebody will say. Maybe it just seems that way to those who don't give. I had a man in my congregation in Deer Valley Church in Nazarene that thought that all I ever preached on was money. I very seldom preached on tithing, but he was not tithing, and it just seemed like everything that was said, the Lord began to poke at him, and he realized how far short he was in obedience to God. Concerning giving, Paul said in the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians 8, 7, since you excel in so many ways in your faith, your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, and your love from us, I want you to excel also in this gracious act of giving. Excel in giving, he says, actually means to exceed what is expected. When we consider all Christ has done for us, and the blessings in heaven waiting for us, we should be eager to worship God in our giving. Someone said, you can give without loving, but you can never love without giving. 
Do you love Jesus Christ? Giving is a true test of your love. Sports fans are spenders. They don't withhold. The third thing is sports fans are tireless. They, they don't rest much, it seems like. Fans often travel for hours to support their team. Some travel to games no matter how far away. Fans of college teams join booster clubs to further the efforts of their teams. Little League moms and dads sell candy and other items to help buy uniforms and to help transport the teams to where they need to be. Sports fans are tireless in their works. They seemingly never rest. What's more, they're emotionally attached to their cause. They feel they're accomplishing something for the team. Now look at the good works of many Christians. You know, like the Pharisees, they do their works to be seen of men. They get upset if they're not recognized from the pulpit for their efforts. Uh, I, I remember years and years ago when we first moved to the Deer Valley Church of Nazarene in Phoenix, Arizona, that we went to family camp up at Pine Rock, and, and they were trying to raise some money for the camp. And so if somebody would give $1,000, uh, Ron Lash would get up and play a fanfare on the trumpet, and a public announcement was made who gave the money, and that just was one of those things that was really kind of a turnoff for me. Not all Christians want recognition. Many spend their whole lives working in obscurity, never getting credit in this world, remembering that God sees and God is going to reward. Others want to pick their spot of service. They want the premier places, the places that are showy, uh, and the praise that goes with those places. Romans 6.22 says, But now you are free from the power of sin and become slaves of God. Now you do things that lead to holiness and result in eternal life. Galatians 5.13 says, For you have been called to live uh, in freedom, my brothers and sisters, but don't use your freedom to satisfy your sinful nature. Instead, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Our service should be from the heart with both our Savior and our man in, and other men in view. James chapter 2, 14 through 20 says, What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you say you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing, and you say, Goodbye and have a good day. Stay warm and eat well but then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough. Unless it produces good deeds, it is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. You say you have faith for you believe that there is one God. Well, good for you. Even the demons believe this, and they tremble in terror. Uh, how foolish. Can't you see that faith without good deeds is useless? Our service is a test of our love and, and future rewards. 1 Corinthians 3, 9 through 15 says, For we are both God's workers, and you are God's field. You are God's building. Because of God's grace to me, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful. 
For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we, have, we already have, Jesus Christ. Anyone who builds on that foundation may be, uh, use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on Judgment Day, fire will reveal what kind of work each builder has done. The fire will show if a person's work has any value. If the work survives, the builder will receive a reward. But if the work is burned up, the builder will suffer great loss. The builder will be saved, but like someone barely escaping through a wall of flames. Well, sports fan, fans are tireless. They, they don't seem to need a whole lot of rest when they're on their way to support their team. Then sports fans are loyal. They don't switch teams. Maybe you've heard of bandwagon fans. These are fickle fans who switch from one team to another according to wins and losses. They're always on the side of the winner. Most true fans scorn this kind of fan. Once you are a fan of a certain team, the bond is for life if you're truly a fan. Win or lose, sink or swim, they are your team. Christians should have that attitude. Paul taught the Philippians in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. Philippians chapter 3, verse 14, I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Salvation is a lifetime bond with the Savior. The personal relationship with Christ is first and foremost to the believer. We may make a mess of our lives after salvation, but Jesus is never to blame. The world should not lure us into its web. Satan's wiles should never make us lose sight of God's love and God's goodness. Sports fans are loyal. They don't switch. Sports fans are, are passionate. They don't give up. Another characteristic of sports fans is that their passion is for their team. True fans won't give up until the last second ticks off and the clock uh, or the last out is made. They never stop believing in their team, no matter what the circumstances. Some teams give their fans more misery than excitement, but the fans continue to support that team. Some of the greatest sports stories are about fans who didn't give up in the face of great adversity. John chapter 6, verses 60 and 67, 267 say, Many of his disciples said, This is very hard to understand. How can anyone accept it? Jesus was aware that his disciples were complaining, and so he said to them, Does this offend you? Then what will you think if you see the Son of Man ascend to heaven again? The Spirit alone gives eternal life. Human effort accomplishes nothing. And the very words I have spoken to you are spirit and life. But some of you do not believe me. For Jesus knew from the beginning which ones didn't believe, and he knew who would betray him. Then he said, that is, that is why... I said that people can't come to me unless the Father gives them to me. At this point, many of his disciples turned away and deserted him. Then Jesus turned to the twelve and asked, Are you also going to leave? Many of his followers walked away. They heard hard sayings that were difficult to accept. 
Jesus watched them leave and asked his disciples, Well, are you also going to leave? John 6, 68 and 69, Simon Peter re replied, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of, and th that gives eternal life. We believe and we know you are the Holy One of God. Then our relationship to Christ is what brings anything good and blessed into our lives. There should be no going back to our old lives. There should be no doubting God's love and compassion for us. We are his children. So many Christians lose sight of this goodness to, help, to us. It's easy to let things crowd our minds so we forget his great blessings. Psalms uh, 68 and 19, praise the Lord, praise God our Savior, for each day he carries us in his arms. Listen to Psalms 103, 2 through 18. Let all that I am praise the Lord. May I never forget the good things he has done for me. He forgives all my sins and heals all my diseases. He redeems me from death and crowns me with love and turns to mercies. He fills my life with good things. My youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord gives righteousness and justice to all who are treated unfairly. He revealed his character to Moses and his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for all our sins. He does not deal harshly with us for we deserve, uh, as we deserve. For his unfailing love forward toward those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above and the earth. He has removed our sins as far from us as the east is from the west. The Lord is like a father to his children, tender and compassionate to those who fear him, for he knows how weak we are. He remembers we are only dust. Our days on earth are like grass, like wild flowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows and we are gone, as though we had never been here. But the love of the Lord remains forever with those who fear him. His salvation extends to the children's children of those who are faithful to his covenant, of those who obey his commandments. These are just some of his benefits he pours on us. Sports fans are passionate. They don't jump and run at the slightest setback. Our, go, our good works are a testimony of our changed life and God living in our hearts. There are a lot of things sports fans can teach Christians if we'll watch and listen. They can teach us about being faithful. They don't conform. They're not ashamed or shy. Neither should Christians be shy or ashamed. Sports fans are spenders. They don't withhold. Does, uh, it doesn't matter what the cost, tickets to games or whatever, $20 for a hot dog or popcorn at the stadium and a drink. Sports fans, you know, just they don't count that because they're doing something to support their team. Sports fans are tireless. They don't seem to need rest. They'll travel no matter how far away it is. 
The series are happening in Phoenix, Arizona and Arlington, Texas this week. And it's a fur piece away to go to Arlington, Texas. But fans are traveling there, putting out the money to travel to Texas to support the Diamondbacks, their team. But let a church mention money and watch how many refuse to take part in it. Sports fans are, are, are loyal. They don't switch. Even when their team loses, they don't dump them and switch to another team. Christians should be loyal to their church no matter what, unless, of course, it's a moral or, or a heresy situation. If they're not teaching right, not doing right, then I guess it's okay to switch. But otherwise, stick by it and help build that church for the glory of God. They don't switch just because of the music or, or the color of the carpet or they're not getting spiritual food. Sports fans don't give up. They stick with their team till the last second ticks all off and the or the clock ticks off of the clock or the last uh, goal is made. Don't you be like the crowd in John chapter 6 who turned away and deserted Jesus because they couldn't go along with what he was saying. Don't you give up just because you go through a hard trial. Learn from a devout sports fan and be faithful to God. Don't give up and keep on doing what God wants you to do and do it for the glory of God. Listen, I'm going to have a word of prayer with you now and I'm going to ask Jesus to help you to get enthusiastic about him. And if you don't know him as your Savior, I'm going to ask Jesus to help you to find him as your personal Savior and become part of the team that's going to be with God forever and ever and ever. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for the fact that you're always there. You're faithful to us. Help us to be faithful to you. Help us to learn from what the sports fans do, how to be faithful and how to stand by the thing as we build your team. I pray, God, for the ones today that don't know you as their personal Savior. Help them to realize how important it is to make that decision so that one day we can all be with you in eternity. I pray, God, if there's anybody that has sinned to repent, and wants to accept you that they'll remember if they confess their sins that you're faithful and just to forgive them of their sins and to cleanse them from all unrighteousness. Help them, Lord, to take advantage of the fact you're offering salvation and eternal life to them today. In Jesus' name, amen. If you want to get in touch with me, remember my email, Gmail is uh, lowercase rev. Uh, W-M-W-W-O-O-D-S at gmail.com. Remember, I get a lot of Gmail, so if I don't answer right away, try again. Or better, call the phone number 623-845-2741. Or you can text me at that phone number, 623-845-2741. Or you could write to me at Box 4031, Sun Valley, Arizona, 86029. God bless you. We'll be praying for you. And I just hope that you have a very good day and that you get very involved in Jesus' team. Amen.